It is Wednesday, April 5th, 2023, and this is Ozarks at Large. I'm Matthew Moore. Just ahead, the process lawmakers at the state capitol used to bring up to three proposed constitutional amendments to Arkansas voters. I'm Kyle Kellums. This is your public radio station, 91.3 KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. We're all working together this week to make sure your public radio stays strong, to bring you news from around the world and from right here, too. This is KUAF's annual spring fundraiser, and we have reduced the traditional on-air portion of the fundraising week to just three days, meaning the important time to make a contribution right now. You can contribute by going to supportkuaf.com. Select the amount of your contribution. It's pretty simple. The biggest part of our operating budget, by a long shot, comes from you. Without continued support from listeners, this listener-supported station wouldn't be able to bring you the programs you rely on to stay informed around the world, your health, what to read, and what might happen next. There are satellite feeds, computers, batteries, and salaries all on our balance sheet. What we don't have? A need to please shareholders or a big chunk of income derived from commercials. Because we have a public radio setup, we rely on you. The listeners of this radio station are the biggest part of our continued success. We're working together this week over just three days to make sure we can all still be here for each other moving ahead. You can make your contribution right now at supportkuaf.com. As we begin to close out the Arkansas Legislature's general session, we take a moment not to examine the bills being passed, but at the 2024 ballot. Every two years, the Arkansas General Assembly can refer up to three constitutional amendments to be added to the ballot. But how? And what sort of guidelines are there for constitutional amendments? Matthew has the details. As of right now, there are 102 amendments to the Arkansas Constitution, and Kristen Netterstrom Higgins sees them everywhere. Nearly every day I can look at either a newspaper or online news source and find an article saying, hey, this is happening and these changes are being discussed, and that is a result of a constitutional amendment. Higgins is a program associate in the Public Policy Center for the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture, and she thinks a lot about constitutional amendments. In Arkansas, constitutional amendments are voted on by the electorate and can be brought to the ballot in two different ways. They can be referred by the legislature or they can be initiated by citizens. The difference is really the process used to put it on the ballot. The legislature has the ability to refer up to three constitutional amendments to the voters to decide, plus an amendment about their salary. But so we usually just see three from them. The process of the legislatively referred constitutional amendments, or LRCAs, to the Arkansas Constitution looks an awful lot like how they propose bills. Typically, dozens of amendments are filed, and once an amendment is filed, it's brought before a committee. If the amendment is proposed by a state representative, it is heard by a House committee. And if it's proposed by a senator, well, then it's heard by a Senate committee. And then they use their committee process to, to narrow down uh, their two to three that they usually refer uh, to the general election. And so it has to be approved by the whole, uh, you know, by a majority of the General Assembly to put it on the ballot. So the process of getting an LRCA on the ballot seems pretty straightforward, but it's politics, folks. Things don't stay straightforward for long. 
do we have any sort of guidelines as to what can be an amendment? As I was looking back through since 2000, um, we've had 28 legislatively referred constitutional amendments, and, and we were looking at things that range from sales taxes to what's another one here? Requiring a voter ID, a photo identification to vote. Uh, I saw one that's talking about providing the rights to hunt, trap, and fish. Are there any sort of guidelines as to what can and cannot be a constitutional amendment that the legislature refers? There are no guidelines. They can submit whatever they would like. Uh, and, And let me add to that when I say that there aren't any guidelines. If there is existing law, then, you know, they have to point out, here's the existing law that we'd like to change. But if they want to add something to the Constitution that's not there, there's no guidelines. That also means there are no guidelines or approval needed from the Secretary of State or the Attorney General on the language used in the title you see on the ballot or the language used in the description of the ballot measure. This is drastically different process than what is required for citizen-initiated amendments, which requires that a ballot title be approved by the Attorney General before signatures can be collected to start working its way onto the ballot. So, the legislature can refer up to three amendments, but that's not a requirement. Is there a chance they could refer zero, though? I mean, there's always a chance, but I highly doubt it because even in the years where they've said, you know, we're only going to refer one, you know, one each, the House can refer one and the Senate can refer one. And then uh, they they historically have taken turns. So the House this year has the opportunity for two and the Senate has an opportunity for one. Uh, In the years where they said, oh, we're just going to do one. No, they still did three. So (laughs) uh, I highly doubt that they will. Uh, get to zero. As of right now, Wednesday, April 5th, just one amendment has been voted on by the House and the Senate. Senate Joint Resolution 15, which would require that the governor's selections for the Arkansas State Highway Commission be approved by the Senate. Higgins says one way of considering what may or may not have a chance of getting referred is looking at which ones of the amendments have a high number of co-sponsors. There's one that would allow lottery proceeds to be used to fund scholarships and grants for students enrolled in vocational technical schools that has nearly 60 bipartisan sponsors. Another possible amendment would repeal the exception to the prohibition of slavery and involuntary servitude, which has been signed on by more than 40 lawmakers on a bipartisan basis. A maxim often attributed to Mark Twain is, history does not repeat itself, but it often rhymes. One of those possible amendments, with 29 Republican sponsors and co-sponsors, would require that Supreme Court justices, courts of appeals judges, circuit judges, and district judges be elected on a partisan basis. Well, that was a constitutional amendment in 2000, making it nonpartisan. So it's, it's there with us every day. And that's why it's very important that people pay attention to these uh, discussions, because this will ultimately affect them for the rest of their lives. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Matthew Moore. Ahead on today's show, Francis Carre is the 2022 Laureate of the Pritzker Architecture Prize, the most prestigious prize in the field. This week, he was on the University of Arkansas campus to deliver the Ernie Jacks Lecture, and he came to the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio to talk about how his earliest education 
inspired him. I was sitting with more than 100 other kids in a tiny little classroom, like full packed, and it was hot. It was terrible. Yeah, it was terrible. But, you know, in terms of comfort, it was terrible. But in terms of opportunities, that was great for me. That was the opening to the world for me. That was the access to everything to me. That's why I'm here today in Arkansas, you know, to be able to talk to you, to an audience. I had access. I am privileged. That conversation later on today's Ozarks at Large. You're listening to Ozarks at Large during our spring on-air fundraiser. I'm Matthew Moore. I'm Kyle Kellams. KUAF's spring fundraiser is here, and although it does sound a little bit different this year, normally we take the whole week to talk on the air during all of our breaks to remind you of what we're doing here, of raising money to help support public radio for our entire community. We're doing that in a little bit of a truncated way this week. We're doing it just today, Thursday, and Friday. That means that now is the time to give. Every day on KUAF, you get vetted and fact-based news stories produced and prepared by journalists committed to serving their community. We also bring you breaking news when it happens with real-time analysis from NPR. When there is a breaking or ongoing news story, KUAF is committed to bringing you that information. This week is a great example of that, Kyle. I would say the last seemingly four Mm. to five years have been a great example, but you're right, just this week. Yeah. You count on us to make sure you are informed about big stories like election results, the indictments of former presidents, Supreme Court hearings, and more. We count on you to help us bring you these big stories. Keep listening and do your part to help pay for what you're listening to. You can give right now at support. KUAF.com, or you can send us a check in the mail. You can send that to KUAF at 9 South School Avenue, Fayetteville, Arkansas, 72701. We are here to provide context and explanation of big stories, but we're also here on Ozarks at Large to give you a chance to hear from people who visit the area that maybe you didn't have a chance to hear. Many of the public lectures or events that take place might take place an hour away from you or at a time when you're at work or doing something with your family. So, if a Pritzker Prize winner shows up to the University of Arkansas campus and is speaking on Monday afternoon at 4.30, mm-hmm. you can't make it, but you want to hear a compelling story about someone who went from a small village in uh, Africa to becoming one of the world-renowned living architects, we can provide that service to, for you, too. That's right. You can o- We can only do that because of your support. And we know that you rely on KUAF and Ozarks at Large to get that information. We're putting the at-large in Ozarks at Large today is a great example of that through the storytelling we get to do with your help. So make a gift right now at supportkuaf.com. And again, I want to emphasize that we have shortened the spring fundraiser to the shortest traditional on-air fundraiser in our history. Just three days. We listened. Yeah, let's get this done in three days. Let's mm-hmm. take what we years ago did in 10 days, then reduce down to five. Let's do it in three. We always talk about momentum building through the week. Momentum starts now. Mm-hmm. We know what we have to raise to continue to keep the programs that you rely on. Morning edition, fresh air, wait, wait. It's been a minute. Ozarks at large, pick and post. We know what we got to raise to bring these to you, to keep them strong. We want to hear from you. We're working together at supportkuaf.com. And thank you. 
The Artisphere Festival Orchestra returns to Walton Arts Center with two main stage concerts under the baton of maestro Corrado Rivera's, featuring more than 90 premier musicians from around the world. Presenting works by Brahms and Beethoven May 16th and Respighi's Roman Trilogy May 20th. Tickets at artisphereFestival.org. Walton Arts Center presents Voice Jam, a two-night a cappella festival April 14th and 15th. Combo tickets gets fans into both nights of vocal entertainment, a concert by award-winning funk group Duende, and also the Voice Jam competition. Tickets at waltonartscenter.org. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Matthew Moore. I'm Kyle Kellums. Debate continues on a bill that would enhance prison sentences for violent offenders. The Protect Arkansas Act, which so far has passed the Arkansas Senate, was presented to a House committee last night by Republican Representative Jimmy Gasaway. He called the 132-page bill a complete overhaul of the state's justice system. The key feature of the bill is that it would require people convicted of violent crimes to serve most or all of their sentences before being eligible to be released from prison. Gazaway says the state's current parole system is deceptive. We have people who are sentenced in Arkansas courts every day, uh, sometimes for violent crimes, for many of the nonviolent crimes, who only serve a fraction of their sentence. Much of what you see in the newspapers when you see someone was sentenced to 20 years in the Department of Corrections or 40 years in the Department of Corrections, the fact is, is in many cases, they're only serving a fraction of that sentence. Some lawmakers were critical of the bill, believing it would not lower crime rates in Arkansas. Democratic Representative Andrew Collins agreed that Arkansas has a crime problem, but said the bill wasn't backed up by data. And I just want to read you a couple of statements, and these statements are published by the U.S. Justice Department. The certainty of being caught is a vastly more deterrent than the punishment. Sending an individual convicted of a crime to prison isn't a very effective way to deter crime. Increasing the severity of punishment does little to deter crime. When asked, Representative Gazaway could not reference research, providing that longer sentences lead to fewer crimes. Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders is asking the federal government to cover 100 percent of the cost share for state and local resources spent on the first 30 days of debris cleanup and emergency services in three central Arkansas counties hit by last week's tornado. Governor Sanders says she has been surveying damage since Friday and says it has become clear that cleanup costs will be substantial. Meanwhile, the governor's request for a major disaster declaration from President Biden regarding winter storms was approved by the White House yesterday. This will provide assistance for people affected by those winter storms in 13 Arkansas counties. Needs are shifting as recovery efforts continue after last week's tornado in central Arkansas. The city of Little Rock's family shelter remains open on North Shackelford Road, with resources also being provided at the Josephine Pankey Community Center on Cantrell. Brian Burton, CEO of the Central Arkansas Food Bank, says they're in need of non-perishable items as their food stores have fallen to the lowest level in their history. We need pop-top type of food, a small fruit cup, small cans of meat, things that are easy for people, peanut butter, those pouches of peanut butter, squeezable. Uh, It it is neat. We need to be thinking about ease of of consumption right now. Lori Arnold Ellis, executive director of the American Red Cross serving Greater Arkansas, says her group continues to have a shelter open at Calvary Baptist Church at also on Cantrell Road. But she says while the city is returning to some sense of normalcy, the effects of last week's tornado will be felt for some time. Housing is going to be a huge, huge issue. So be thinking about those long-term effects because right now this is this is 
personal. We all feel this, but we are human and we will move on. But these people who've lost their homes, they're not moving on anytime soon and and never. I mean, really, this is going to be something that impacts them for the rest of their lives. The Arkansas Realtors Association is also providing $1 million worth of disaster relief grants. Cherokee Nation leaders are scheduled to break ground tomorrow on a new $400 million hospital in Tahlequah. The six-story new hospital will eventually replace the 40-year-old W.W. Hastings Hospital in Tahlequah. The 400,000-square-foot hospital will include 127 beds, a helipad on the roof, and allow for expanded services for Cherokee and Native citizens. The new hospital will also have a connecting bridge to the existing Cherokee Nation Outpatient Health Center on the tribe's medical campus off Ross Avenue in Tahlequah. It will include an emergency room, surgery, ICU, imaging, pharmacy and lab, neonatal ICU, hospice, dietary and acute care, among other expanded services. The Arkansas Department of Finance and Administration reports the state's tax revenue for the first nine months of the fiscal year totaled more than $6.1 billion. Talk Business and Politics reports that amount is up 5% compared to the same nine months of the previous fiscal year. That's also 4.9% above the forecast. The Department of Finance and Administration reports the state's revenue surplus was almost $397 million at the end of March. This is Ozarks at Large. Again, thanks to everyone who is contributing during this three-day on-air fundraiser at KUAF. Thanks to you and listeners like you, we remain strong and independent. The Pritzker Architecture Prize honors a living architect whose works represent a vision that not only indicates great talent, but a deep commitment to humanity. Established in 1979, the award has been given to Frank Geary I.M. Pei and, in 2022, to Francis Carre. He became the first African-born architect to be honored with the Pritzker Prize and the first black architect to receive the award. This week, he was in Fayetteville to deliver the Ernie Jacks Lecture, sponsored by Marlon Blackwell Architects. Carre was born in Burkina Faso and at age seven left his village and his family to attend school in another village. When he was 19, he left his home country to hone his carpentry skills in Germany. Though he remains based in Berlin, he is still deeply connected to his home. This week, during his time on the University of Arkansas campus, he came to the Carver Center for Public Radio and discussed how, at age seven, his experiences of obtaining an education gave him a spark to eventually pursue architecture. In this village, uh, we had a little, we had no school, and I had to move to left my family when I was um, uh, seven, you know, to be able to attend school education in the city that was 20, 20 kilometers far away. I mean, for an American, 20 kilometers is nothing. But imagine you living in a place that is no road and the only, um, the only transportation means is a donkey, you know? So this is the relationship with this distance. There's no way to get to get there. There's no buses, no bicycle, no motorcycle, no car, you know. That is the distance you have to understand. And so I have to leave the family. And in this city, 
I was sitting with more than 100 other kids in a tiny little classroom, like full packed, and it was hot. It was terrible. Yeah, it was terrible. But, you know, in terms of comfort, it was terrible. But in terms of opportunities, that was great for me. That was the opening to the world for me. That was the access to everything to me. That's why I'm here today in Arkansas, you know, to be able to talk to you, to an audience. I had access. I am privileged, you know. You were seven. Yes. That's incredibly young. Yes. To be doing that, to be separated yes. from your and family. Yes, leave your community, your, your family, you know, you know, to leave everyone, your friends, and to be far away from them and to learn A, B, C, you mm-hmm. know. But it was the funny thing is I will come back home and try to teach the other kids what I've been learning in the city, you know. So A, B, C. <laughs> yeah. That had to shape you and had to shape what you do even now. Exactly, exactly. This experience was so key to me. Um, as a kid, I grow the idea to make things better. You know, it started by, by the, the furniture when we were sitting. I was sitting in uh, of chairs that was babbling. If you are babbling, it gets so broken that nails will come out and really pick you, you know, your bottom. And I didn't want to accept that. I say, when I become adult, I want to make things better. So even at school, I start to intern in a nearby carpentry to learn how to do better furniture. Really, as a nine-year-old boy, mm-hmm. you know, I started to do that. And later, of course, when I got the opportunity to go to Germany, I wanted to become a bricklayer first. Because I was a carpenter, I wanted to learn how to lay a bricks so that I can go back home, lay a bricks, put the roof, create furniture for the people, better furniture. And then that is how my career started. Uh, right. So y- you go to Germany, yeah. learn bricks. Now you're an architect. I would have to think the carpentry that you started at nine, yeah. the bricklaying and the other carpentry that you learned as you got older yeah. has to also be something that well informs design and architecture. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know, you know, when I'm saying that I'm privileged, it's all about that. You know, I came from a background, from a rural background, a rural, rural Africa. You know, there is nothing, you know. And then step by step, having a chance to attend school in a city, have a chance to become a carpenter, and lately got a scholarship to go to Germany to be trained as a development activist, you know, and to go to, I was supposed to go back and train other people. So I decided to to learn how to make bricklaying by myself. And then I wanted to go further, and my, I met good people, professor that told me, you know, you better learn, uh, become architect. So if you want to do a house by yourself, then you better learn to become architect. But how to become architect? You need a high school uh, degree. What I didn't have that time. So what to do? You are in Germany. It's a very rich place. Access to education is easy. What I did is to ask if I can do my high school degree. And I said, yeah, but you're too old to do that. I was then 22. Uh, What to do? And suddenly they found there was a night school where you could just learn and then do your high school degree. And so I went to this school at night from 6 p.m. to 11 p.m., to do my high school degree. Within five years, I did it. 
And what I was doing during the day, I was working to send money home. And I graduated, I got again a scholarship that allowed me to study architecture in Berlin. And here I am. When you went to Germany, did you speak German? No, not at all. No word. <laughs> not a single word. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that w- there are a lot of hurdles that for many of us we'd say, I just can't do this. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's not going to work for me. Yeah. No, uh, you know. When I'm saying that I'm uh, a privilege, I'm so happy. I'm happy I had access and I fought. I just, you know, I was curious. I wanted to learn. So the German language, I started to speak German, uh, to learn and speak and to practice it. And luckily I succeeded and I was able to even study because I was interested. You know, if you have my background and you come to the, to the first world, to the Western world, uh, which German belongs to, then you see all of these opportunities, you know, that you don't have in Burkina Faso, where I'm coming from, you know. You, I was eager, was fighting. I wanted to learn. I wanted to take as much as possible to bring back home, you know, to serve my community. Yeah. I've been to the webpage and seen many of your buildings and your projects. Yeah. A lot of them are for schools and for places to learn. Yes. That can't be by accident. Yeah, um, you know, I want to, you know, education is key to human development, you know, to the personal development. Uh, and, you know, when I was a kid, I had to leave my community. So I started as a student to, to build, you know. Uh, before graduating, I started to build. And the first project was a school, to create a school in the village so that the other kids can stay within the community, play with their friends, but attend education. That was key to me. And I started to do that, and uh, happily I was successful. And many people start to ask, oh, can you do similar school for us? But uh, we're also creating healthcare centers, and nowadays even theaters, like community gathering spaces in around Africa nowadays. You know, I'm really privileged because of education, you know. When I look at these schools yeah. and these, these cultural centers that you've designed and built, um, they just, and I mean this in the best way, they blend into the landscape. They, so there's function there, but there's also design. Yeah. There's also really good-looking yeah. buildings. Oh, yeah. I love beauty. You know, I love comfort. I love beauty. And I wanted to combine all of that to create something that fit within the environment, but that, that inspire people. You know, my people love beauty. They love beautiful things. So I just look at the nature and say, these materials fit the best. And then I was so happy to be able to have attend, uh, you know, architecture education. I could combine all of these to create what I'm, what I'm doing now. You know, I love to create things that really push people to really dream, you know. Yeah. You also often, if not always use material that is sustainable and native yeah. to where this building is going to be. Yeah, yeah no, for me, it's not um, a choice, you know. That is what I see things. Take what you have, the most available in a place, and use it to shape people's dreams. Yeah? Be it a school, be it a hospital, be it a theater, be it a housing, that's what I think that was the best approach I had to do. I did it because my people being dealing with nature, you know, sh- since they exist, you know, and so I tried to do the same, you know. I tried to do, that is the best thing we could do. Nowadays we know 
that is important to care for, you know, resources because we see there are conflict around the world because of limited resources. Um, um, so believe it or not believe it, if we think about the changes in climate, you know, you know, um, you know, there is something that will push us to think how we better invest in nature. Uh, and my approach is not to take as much as possible from nature, but to use clever ideas and how you could use locally available material to create buildings that inspire. Human being needs building, and I want to give them beauty and comfort without causing a heavy burden to the environment. You know, when it comes to architecture or furniture, we yeah. often notice when it doesn't work, when it's wobbly, when the nails are, you know, <laughs> hurting our bottom. We don't always notice, we the lay people, when it is working. We might take it for granted. And I wonder, as an architect, how you feel about that. Yeah. We're quick to complain, yeah. but we're not always as quick to yeah. to say, oh, this this works. This yeah. is making it better. Yeah. No, I, that is it. That's why I'm always saying to people, hey, guys, listen, look at around you. You know, Francis came here. I've been traveling through the U.S. I saw how rich this country is and how big it is and how many beautiful things exist here. And so often if I see people complain, I say, wow, don't take it for granted. It's so rich. Let's get together and protect what we have in common and try to keep creating beauty and good things for our people, for our communities, you know. And that is it. We should not take things for granted, but try to put our own effort to really improve it or preserve it, you know. And I wonder what you would say to other young people who, for whatever reason, yeah. might be embarking on life yeah. but feel they're not mm -hmm. ready or good enough. Yeah. How would, what would you tell them? No, if you see my experience, you know, um, and that I was able to really build up this career, <clears throat> I will say to everyone, no worry, just go ahead, you know. The world is waiting to discover you. Potentially, you coming from a different background, it is something that the bigger world is looking for, you know. And so I will tell you, go ahead. You are new. You have fresh ideas. Don't hide yourself. Really, really go. Think about me, you know, coming from a little village in Gando and then being awarded Prisca uh, and I'm still under 60. C can you imagine, you know? So imagine me having graduated, did my, my high school degree at the age of 30, you know? So, but because... I had accumulated a lot of experiences to, during my life, even the life in the village. I tried to I put all of these together, and that is what paved my career. So I will say to everyone, go ahead. The world is waiting for you. Really, really. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank Appreciate you. it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Francis Garay is the 2022 Pritzker Architecture Prize Laureate, and he delivered the Ernie Jacks Lecture, as part of the Spring Lecture Series in the Faye Jones School of Architecture and Design on the University of Arkansas campus earlier this week. You can see examples of his architecture at CareyArchitecture.com. That's K-E-R-E, CareyArchitecture.com. Our conversation was recorded in the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio.
The Community Creative Center presents the Arkansas Pottery Festival, May 5th through May 7th. This event includes pottery demonstrations and lectures, over 50 Arkansas potters, vendor booths, and more. Event schedule, photos, and more available online at communitycreativecenter.org. Closing out Walton Art Center's Starlight Jazz Club Series is the Brianna Thomas Sextet, Friday, April 7th at 7.30 p.m. With the soprano voice that scats, swoons, and croons, Brianna Thomas moves the material into the funky soul and R&B worlds. Tickets available at waltonartcenter.org. We've had our share of storms over the past few days, Mm -hmm. Matthew. Tomorrow, mostly sunny. Yeah. Lower 60s. Yeah. Not a bad spring day. Good day to ride your bike to work. That's what I'll be doing, at least. I, Very good. You don't have to. I will not, but thank you. <laughs> it's also going to be a good day for first uh, Thursday in Fayetteville, which happens yeah. tomorrow Yeah. Uh, along the square in downtown. And, of course, many of the art galleries in Fayetteville host openings in conjunction with that, so there will be the opening reception at Art Ventures, which is on Hill Avenue yep. in Fayetteville. Yep. Uh, the new exhibition, India in Its Many Colors, all artists from India. And uh, it is done in conjunction with Rave Cultural. So that they had a brunch with a sneak preview on Sunday, midday, mm-hmm. but the official opening reception is tomorrow afternoon and evening. I'm just realizing that like we're we're in first Thursday season now. Oh yeah. Like it's here. Oh yeah. That's awesome. Yes, it's incredibly awesome. We got tulips and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. The spring archery league is beginning at the quiver tomorrow. That's up in Orchard Park, right? Mm-hmm. Bentonville? Right. Um Stuff going on at the Medium, including uh, Poetry and Rhythm Open Mic. That's tomorrow night at the Medium in Springdale. Sequoia Hall on Mount Sequoia. Another reception, art reception in conjunction with First Thursday, looking through a spring. And then the Community Creative Center, also in Fayetteville, will have an opening reception, the Ben Edwards Solo Exhibition. And then in Fort Smith, there's a lecture live with Jeffrey Cantu at the Fort Smith Regional Art Museum, the RAM. Uh, He is such a sweetheart of a guy. I talked to him I think maybe two years ago, art. Where did we do the podcast? Uh, we did it in the the art gallery in Fort Smith. No, 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 no. I'm I'm sorry. The podcast that you and I did with the um, folks on the square in the Prior Center building. Oh, oh, Startup Junkies. Yes. So he has art at Startup Junkie. Oh, right. He was the first artist to be exhibited That's at right. Startup Junkie. Jeffrey Cantu. Anyway, he'll have a lecture. Thank you for. Providing my memory, Jeffrey Cantu will be at the Fort Smith Regional Art Museum tomorrow night. You can go online to all these respective entities and find out more. That's right. Um, As you know, we are in the midst of our spring on-air fundraiser. We're not able to bring you all of this information without you. Right. 91.3 KUAF is a member station of NPR. That means that we pay fees to NPR to help support news reporters all over the country and around the world. We pay for all the great programs that NPR produces, Morning Edition, All Things Considered, 1A, so much more. KUAF is paying over a quarter million dollars this year to NPR. When we count national programs produced by other entities like This American Life, Science Friday, On the Media, our bill for national programming goes to about $300,000. Where do we come up with the money to pay for NPR programs? Spoiler alert. (laughs) It's you. KUAF has a mix of funding sources, but the single largest source of support comes from listeners just like you and your contributions. Listener support is a critical element to operating this public radio station. So, what do you do with that information? Well, think about how often you rely on this programming day in and day out. 
Is it the first thing that you hear when you turn on your car to drive to work in the morning? Is it something you leave on in the background for your dog to listen to, to feel calm and soothed when they hear <laughs> Callum's voice every day on the radio? If this is a service that you rely on day in and day out, now is the time to let us know by making a gift of any amount at supportkuaf.com. And again, it's a very short traditional on-air fundraiser this spring. We're trying something new, and it works if we all work together, raise the money we need in just three days of on-air fundraising. Could be a trend for the future. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love for that to be the case. I think we all would, but that just means the first time you think about becoming a contributor or renewing that contribution, you do it at supportkuaf.com. This is Ozarks at Large. Thanks again for listening and for contributing to keep your public radio station available to you any time you like. We do appreciate it. Arkansans are last when it comes to annual dental visits. Uninsured or underinsured residents may not be able to afford regular dental health visits, let alone costlier oral surgery to correct problems. Poor oral health can lead to not just mouth pain, but other chronic conditions. The Arkansas Mission of Mercy is a two-day free dental clinic that's going to take place in Conway. After a three-year absence because of the pandemic, the clinic is returning later this month on Friday, April 14th and Saturday, April 15th. I recently called Dr. Terry Fiddler, the executive director of Arkansas Mission of Mercy and a dentist, to find out more about this year's event and about past events that have taken place as part of the clinic. Over the 15 years, we've seen 24,000-plus free patients and uh, giving away over uh, $20 million worth of free dentistry. And what's going to happen in April at the Conway Expo Center on the 14th and 15th? Well, hopefully we will uh, be ready to go again after three years of COVID, not being able to see patients. And uh, we're planning on seeing approximately 2,000 patients in that two days from 6 in the morning uh, until we get through both Friday and Saturday on April the 14th and 15th. Wow, that, that's amazing. Um, who, who, who can benefit from the free dental care? Well, it's probably the most come. Uh, we have no uh, uh, identification uh, uh, needs. We uh, uh, only need to know about your medical history. We don't... Uh, check anyone for citizenship, nor do we, uh, uh, basically it's just an underserved person. And those people who can't afford dentistry, which we all know that dentistry is expensive, but for those who can't afford dentistry and, or at least their insurance is not supplemented enough for them to, uh, be treated. And we see a lot of veterans that their dental and dentistry is not covered under the veterans, uh, administration. And um, we uh, see a large number of both adults and children. If you're starting at six on these days and you're seeing as many people as possible, I'm guessing it takes something of a of a sort of platoon to get this done. Chaos. <laughs> we have uh, 
approximately uh, 900 volunteers, 500 which are lay volunteers, and 400 are dentists, assistants, dental hygienists, physicians, nurses, and pharmacists. If someone is not, you know, a trained dental medical professional, can they volunteer in any way? That's correct. That's why I said I have 500 lay volunteers. We have all types of needs of uh, volunteers to uh, usher and aid those who are being treated, plus to feed all of the cohorts of a large number of uh, of uh, volunteers. And so there's there's a place for everyone. If someone's interested in volunteering and helping out, what can they do? Uh, there there is a website. It's our RSB book that you can go into Arkansas Dentistry and see that link. Uh, it's a rather lengthy link, but if you tap on it, it's a very simple procedure to to uh, go on to that link. But you ha- do have to register in order to volunteer. You can't just show up at the door. It's a labor of love. The All the medical professionals that participate in that do not receive any kind of remuneration. There is, uh, they bring their staff, they pay for their staff to stay in rooms. It's 100% free. Uh, I always say that's the uh, only thing that's required is to have teeth. And uh, uh, there are, uh, I will tell you, uh, in past years and in Conway, the last time that we I went out there and I opened the door, I opened the doors at 3:30 in the morning to start just visiting with people, and there were over a thousand people in line at 3:30 in the morning. Mm. And that was not probably with three years gap because of COVID-19. That's, that's correct. And I, I don't have any doubt because we were really the only game in town in Arkansas. Last time we had this event in Conway, six different states showed up. Oh. Uh, and so uh, it's a, uh, uh, you know, I know I'm not, yeah, I'm still encouraging all the dentists in the world to please sign up. We need Still need dentist volunteers, assistant volunteers, hygiene volunteers. Um, there will, but after three years, I know that there will be a large number of people that need dental treatment. Like for you, if you get a toothache, um, you know, you go do something about it. These people can't. And so uh, I've told people many times when I walk that line that the kind of dentistry they're going to receive is not cut rate dentistry. It's the same products that we put in our patients in our private pay offices. Uh, there is no cut rate dentistry there. They get the best trained uh, dental professionals that uh, Arkansas can deliver. And uh, we're simply here. It's you know it's it's God's work to help others, and that's what we're here to do. Um, I spent my entire childhood with toothaches, not being able to afford to go to the dentist. So I can certainly not only sympathize with these people, I can empathize with them. And I will tell you um, that I have seen us, I said, our motto is we make people healthy. uh, And uh, that is the number one thing. But I can tell you for a fact how many people I have seen that have come through our doors that we changed their life. We made it. We had a lady came in from Dallas, Texas, uh, who wouldn't hardly raise her head. And she was going back for a job interview to be a really a, a nice job very bright lady but also very and she was in the straits of what life brings us sometime and uh uh we gave her uh, a whole new smile 
it was about $4,000 worth of free dentistry. And, uh, uh, she called a week later and she got, she made the interview and got the job. And so, uh, that's the type of things we're here for. Oh, thank you so much for doing this. And, um, I also can tell people that if they want to know about more about Arkansas Mission of Mercy, they can go, uh, I think, at ArkansasDentistry.org slash armom. That's correct. That's yeah. correct. That's correct. Dr. Fiddler, thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you for calling me. I always appreciate people uh, getting get a chance to tell all about our mission. You do not have to go out of Arkansas to do mission work. Dr. Terry Fiddler is a dentist and the executive director of Arkansas Mission of Mercy. The free dental clinic, no questions asked, returns Friday, April 14th and Saturday, April 15th, both days at the Conway Expo Center in central Arkansas. People interested in volunteering can register at rsvpbook.com slash armom2023. You can also find out more at ArkansasDentistry.org slash ARMOM. We have those links available for you at OzarksAtLarge.com. The Momentary in Bentonville presents three-time Grammy Award-winning hip-hop group The Roots, live and in-person outdoors on the Momentary Green, April 29th. The band has been hailed by Rolling Stone as one of the greatest live acts in the world. Tickets on sale now at TheMomentary.org. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Matthew Moore. I'm Kyle Kellums. We are in the midst of our spring on-air fundraiser. As we're looking at about mid-morning here, we are looking at around $35,000 that we've raised so far towards our $80,000 goal. It's pretty good progress, but we've got some work to do, and that's where you come in. You come in by continuing your support or perhaps for the first time ever, beginning your financial support of your public radio station, 91.3 KUAF. We come to you every day of the year with the news from around the world, from around the country, and most days of the year through Ozarks at Large and the Community Spotlight and other uh, venues, we come to you with news from where you live. All of this takes time. All of this takes personnel. All of this takes money. We pay NPR a fee for Morning Edition and All Things Considered and other NPR programs. We pay the people like Matthew and myself a salary to be able to work here. And the biggest part of our budget, because we're public radio, the biggest part of our budget comes from the public. Right. There is no minimum fee. But think about what the value is to you. Think about how important it is to you to know that there is good, fair, balanced research journalism available not just to you but to your entire community the importance of that measure that by how much it costs for us to do this and then come up with the amount that you would like to give at supportkuaf.com when we think about other news outlets sometimes you'll go on their website and there's there's information that will be behind a paywall they are in their own right to do that Absolutely. because they are private institutions. They, they have are, to pay their journalists. They have to pay their journalists, and they have to put things behind a paywall because journalism costs money. It's expensive, and it's hard, and it takes time. And for those organizations, what they decide to do is to ask you up front, before you can see that, that you have to pay for it. That's not how we operate here at KUAF or at NPR. So just last Sunday... Uh, my wife, Laura, and I were sitting in our front room, and she, without, we weren't talking about 
the fundraiser at KF. We don't sit around and talk about the fundraiser <laughs> now. But she just brought up that we pay for the New York Times, the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, the Arkansas Times, and because we gave Laura's mother who lives in Kentucky a subscription to the Lexington Herald Journal in Lexington, Kentucky. So that's six. Plus we're uh, members of KUAF, sustaining members. Uh, there's Arkansas PBS mm-hmm. and other streaming services. We understand we have to pay for these products we use. Right. And they all have a set fee, and that's fine. We do it a little bit differently, but the cost is still there. The need for finances remains. Right. One of the great things about what we do here at KUAF is that there are people in our community who straight up cannot afford to support this that does not mean that they should not get the news mm. that we provide. That's something that we really hang our hats on here at KUAF, is that this is a news station for all. But what that means is that there are people in our community who willingly and choose to pick up the slack for those who are not able to make that contribution. And we have such a generous community here in our region at KUAF who are willing to pay and pay maybe a little bit extra because they know how important this resource is to be freely available to our entire community. If you are someone who has the capacity to, you know, make a $40 a month contribution instead of maybe a $20 a month, now is the time to do that. You can help continue to make this source available freely to everyone in our community, regardless of how much they can or cannot pay. You can help us do that by giving just a little bit extra this time at support KUAF. And thank you. Erica Westerman is a professor of biological sciences at the U of A. An entomologist, her research focuses on understanding how organisms perceive and interact with their environment and how variations in these interactions facilitate diversity. A recent grant will support her research on the role of genetics and ambient light in shaping the visual sensitivity and behavior of butterflies. I use butterflies to understand behavior because butterflies, I just really think, the best group of animals to work with. They're incredibly speciose, so many species. The Lepidoptera, which is butterflies and moths, are second only to beetles in terms of number of species. And when I started my PhD, I got the opportunity to kind of accidentally start working with butterflies and just completely fell in love with the system. You can hear more in the latest edition of Short Talks from the Hill, a research podcast from the University of Arkansas. Listen at KUAF.com, at arkansasresearch.uark.edu, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Hogscald Holler. Matthew produced today's show inside the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio 2. We're back tomorrow with another brand new show. We'll have the latest from Paul Gatling in the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Timothy Dennis will talk to us about live music that we can see over this Easter weekend. Mm-hmm. And uh, Leah Uribe will have a new sound perimeter for us. All of that and much more. That's right. We here at KUAF are, you know, you've heard us say it quite a bit. We're in the midst of our spring on-air fundraiser. We're doing this for just three days this week instead of traditionally we've done it for five days. And before my time, we did it for 10 days. We're, we're keeping it short and simple and to the point, And we're doing that because you've asked us to. And so we're hoping that you will reward us for our um, brevity in in giving now, you can do that at supportkuaf.com. And you can also send us a check in the mail if you'd rather do that. Our address is 9 South School Avenue, Fayetteville, Arkansas, 72701. 
I was going to say, Matthew, that a theme of today's show was community. Though that, I think, is a theme often in Ozarks at Large. Yeah. But we heard from uh, Francis Carre talking about his desire to bring, you know, great architecture to the village where he grew up and, and other places in Africa and around the world. And he was inspired by his experience as a seven- and nine-year-old in his uh, village in Burkina, uh, Burkina Faso. We also heard from Dr. Terry Fiddler, the dentist who is the executive director of Mission of Mercy, about the free dental health clinic that will go Friday and Saturday, April 14th and 15th. Medical professionals and lay people giving a lot over 48 hours yeah. to make sure people uh, feel better and are healthier. That sense of community, I think, is really here at KUAF every day, not just in the stories we report, but in the fact that we do not take for granted. I think I can speak for everybody who works in this building, full-time or otherwise. We do not take for granted that the reason we're able to be here and bring you these stories and these conversations is because we work together as a community. Right. And and even looking at our story about constitutional amendments, part of our work that we do here at KUAF is to make sure that everyone understands how important it is to be you know, knowledgeable about the civics and the voting and the ballots, um, but feel engaged and want to share that with other people. I think that's a huge element of what we do here is we're not here just to, you know, just to, to scare you or to make you think you that go. you're not sure what's going on in the world, but we want to inform you and empower you to feel like you have this knowledge and you can share it with other people. Make your own decisions and we make it available for you to share. For free, you can go to ozarksatlarge.com or kuaf.com. This is something that has happened over the last, I mean, I've been here for 33, 34 years. We didn't have that ability when we began. We do it now. You can share stories and conversations you hear through social media or email, and you can do it for free because you, along with thousands of others, work together to pay for all the services that KUAF offers, not just 91.3, but the podcasts, the webpage, KUAF2, which is 24-7 classical, KUAF3, which is jazz and encore broadcasts of our locally created music shows. All of that can happen because you work with us. And you can work with us right now if it's your turn to do so at supportkuaf.com. And Matthew just mentioned it's only three days this time. That means, you know, when it's top of mind right now, if you can get to a computer safely, just... Go to supportkuaf.com. Make a contribution. If you want to become a sustaining member and give a little bit every month, you can do that at supportkuaf.com, too. That's right. We try to make it as easy as we can for you because we know that you know it's important. So as easy as we can make it for you to continue to support us, you will. And thank you.